Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Weaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, and Arvigo abdominal massage. And I'm also a new mama. This podcast will be part information on women's holistic health practices that I use in my practice, and part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the Rosebud Wellness Shop. You can find us over at rosebudwellness.com shop. On the shop, you'll find six different Yoni Steam herb blends for a variety of different conditions. You can read specifically about all of the ingredients that are in the herbal blends, what you would use them for, and some specifics about the days of your cycle that you would use the herbs. There's also a video for an at-home steaming guide so that you can feel confident that you know what you're doing before you embark on this journey. But if you also don't feel so comfortable just starting on your own, you can also sign up for a consult with me, which is also available at the shop. So go ahead and check out rosebudwellness.com shop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I am very excited to have a friend and colleague on today. Her name is Hannah Jefferson, and she is the owner of Soul and Loon Wellness, where she practices as a health and life coach and also an acupuncturist. And today she is not a mama. So um, we are talking mostly about menstrual cycle health and also her journey towards learning and understanding fertility awareness. And she has extensive history with using lots of different birth control, uh, hormonal birth control options that um, she'll share about today. So I actually learned a lot too. I've only had personal experience with hormonal birth control um, in terms of the pill. So it was great to talk with her about her experience of, of all the different styles and she ultimately found her way to fertility awareness. This is not sort of like a an expectation that everybody finds their way towards fertility awareness, but just to um, get the word out there about what some of the potential side effects could be of, of these different options so that you can make the best decision for yourself. So please enjoy this episode with Hannah. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am here today with Hannah Jefferson, and she is a fellow acupuncturist, a health and life coach, and she is also the host of the Practically Well Podcast. So welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, me too. So if you want to start off with just telling us a little bit about your menstrual cycle history, um, first, we'll just start with when you got your first period and what that looked like for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so my first period, I think was around the age of 13. Um, and, you know, it, it came as a surprise as, as it does for many young girls when, you know, you don't know when it's going to be there. Um, and, you know, I was definitely a little intimidated, nervous, not sure, you know, how to go about it. Cause you know, my mom certainly gave me some education around it, but you know, it was something new. 
Um, but I definitely kind of right out of the gate had issues around pain and discomfort and just feeling kind of moody and tired. And, and that got progressively worse as I got older. And, you know, back back then, I didn't know why that was happening. I was told that's just how it is. Your, you know, your period sucks. And, you know, my mom had had a lot of <clears throat> endometriosis. She didn't have endometriosis, but a lot of, you know, issues with her cycle. Many other women in my family had had pain in their cycles. So I just assumed that's what it was. And, you know, this was just going to be ha- something I had to deal with and put up with every month. Um, and then I think when I first got on birth control, that was mm, probably around age 16. And, you know, it was cause I had started being sexually active and that was, you know, the, um, reason for getting started with that. Um, and, you know, I was also told by my gynecologist at the time, you know, okay, we want to protect you from pregnancy, but also, you know, this is going to solve your pain and all these other issues. And so I thought, oh my gosh, perfect. Like I can be, you know, safe in certain ways, you know, around having sex and I can also not be in pain anymore. Perfect. And, you know, from a a perspective of journey of birth control, that, that was kind of the beginning of it. And I was on the pill and, you know, over the course of the next, I don't know, decade or so I tried pretty much every different kind of birth control you can be on. Um, and you know, I don't know how, if you want to like dive into each individual one or, how you want me to go about that. Yeah. <laughs> the whole so, other part of it. Yeah. Maybe start with, I I'm assuming that you started with the birth control pill. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you jumped around to multiple different types of pills, maybe you can just give us like generally what your symptoms were, or if they were vastly different, depending on the pill, you can certainly go into that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I tried, it was probably two or three different kinds of pills, uh, with varying levels of estrogen and progesterone. And honestly, I can't remember the actual names of the pills at this point, cause it's been a while. Um, but you know, with, with the various kinds of pills, I would say my symptoms were pretty similar on all of them, um, with, you know, varying degrees of intensity. Um, but I definitely, you know, gained weight, um, my pain, decreased slightly, but, you know, I, I learned later on in life that it was masking a symptom more than anything else. Um, because as soon as I went off the pill, the pain came back. Um, but I also, you know, just felt very moody, very emotional, just kind of all over the place. And, you know, with every consistent thing that I tried, I had different symptoms. So then I went off of that and, went to try something else. And, you know, every time I went to the gynecologist feeling very discouraged because whatever it was that was supposed to provide the quote unquote cure wasn't working, she said, okay, well, that's normal. But, you know, maybe if you don't want to feel that way, we'll try something else. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And so after a couple different kinds of the pill, um, I think the next thing that I tried was the NuvaRing. And that seemed to work pretty well. You know, I had, I didn't have that many symptoms on it, um, but I did have intense, heavy bleeding. Um, So I was on it for a couple of months. I was like, great. You know, I, I don't feel great emotionally, (laughs) 
but I feel better than I felt on the other ones. But then there was a period, I think it was about two months where I bled every single day, um, like day two bleeding, you know, heavy, heaviest bleeding part of your cycle. Um, and it got to the point where I had to start taking iron supplements because I was feeling dizzy and weak and, you know, and then there was the whole other aspect of the nuva ring where it would sometimes fall out. And there were several instances where it fell out while I was having sex. And afterwards I was like, where's my birth control, (laughs) which, you know, provides a whole other element of stress in itself. Um, and so after that, the next one that I tried was the arm implant. Um, and that one was, you know, advertised as, oh, you don't have to think about taking a pill or having anything, you know, fall out. You just, you know, we stick it in your arm, easy peasy, and it's in there for, you know, however many years. And I said, okay, great, let's try it. (laughs) And, you know, the insertion was pretty painful. Um, which was not, you know, necessarily advertised, uh, beforehand. So that was a little, you know, a little scary for me at the time. Um, and then as I progressed on that medication, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what hormones were actually in there, you know, part of the, the lack of education that I was receiving and, and being so young at the time, I didn't know to ask, Um, but I very quickly started losing my libido. And so with this one, you know, through every birth control that I've tried, there've been emotional ups and downs and weight fluctuations. But with this one in particular, it was a very heavy libido issue. And it got to a point where I literally just felt dead inside and had no desire to have sex and, or do anything pleasurable for myself even. And and I just, that led to a lot of not depression, depression, but feelings of being low down and not understanding what, what was wrong with me, you know, in that moment. Um, And so after that, the next thing I actually went back on the neuvering again and that it was kind of the same thing, started having the bleeding issues and, you know, quickly changed back to something else. Um, and so after that, I took a break from birth control for about three years and felt incredible. Um, and then, but eventually, you know, started dating someone pretty regularly, was getting kind of nervous about having unprotected sex because at this point I knew nothing about my cycle and thought that I could get pregnant any day, any time of the year. Um, so I, my, a girlfriend of mine suggested the IUD and I was like, Oh, I don't, the idea of like having something implanted in my body again was like, it just like gave me the the shivers, but I thought, well, this seems to be my only option because the only other thing I hadn't tried was the depot shot. And I had heard exclusively bad reviews from every single person I had talked to. So I said, okay, I don't want to try that. I'm going to try the IUD and the IUD was probably the worst, most scarring experience that I had had. Um, the, this was a copper IUD, right? So a non-hormonal or this was uh Kylina. So it was, it's like Morena's little sister. Okay. So it did have some hormones also. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that one, you know, insertion was incredibly painful. The night before was incredibly painful because they gave me a pill to dilate my cervix (laughs) beforehand, which 
they might as well not have done that because it was so painful already when they inserted it. Um, and I was in deep, deep pain, like no painkiller was working um, for about three days and like couldn't go to work, couldn't, I just like laid on my bed and cried for several days. And I would call the doctor and they said, oh, that's normal. Like just pop another Advil. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This can't be normal. Um, and then eventually, you know, the pain subsided and that's when the pain during sex started. And so that was a whole separate thing. Long story short, um, I know I dove into all of those a bit, but got the IUD taken out, started educating myself very differently. And we can, you know, talk about that in a second, but I'm no longer on birth control and it's the best decision I've ever made. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we, we did not get into all of that the last time. And I, I appreciate you sharing about all of the different experiences because the only uh, hormonal birth control I've ever personally been on is the pill. And I was mm -hmm. on it for almost 10 years and really never had my period would just go away, which we talked mm -hmm. about on, on our episode together. Like that was always my symptom was just that my period would go away, which some women would be like, oh, that's amazing. What are you complaining about? But yeah. it is such a key component for understanding what's going on in your overall health and, and your entire system and your hormones can impact every single body system. Mm -hmm. So it's not something to be taken lightly, even if it is kind of like, seems like maybe it would be a desirable side effect. Um, but for you, for especially for all of these emotional symptoms and feeling dead inside in particular. Mm -hmm. I've heard that from a lot of women and for a lot of women, they don't necessarily connect it to birth control initially. Mm -hmm. So for you, it sounds like you did, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I did, you know, I've always been a very intuitive person. And so I kept making these connections, but then I didn't think I had any other option because I wasn't being educated and, mm -hmm. you know, no one in my family knew about, you know, all of that either, you know, nobody, my teachers in school, like I, there was no resource for learning how to track your cycle naturally or learning why certain kinds of birth control were affecting me negatively. You know, it was like, as soon as I was starting to grow up and starting to have sex, it, you know, I wasn't put on birth control at the age of 13, thank goodness, but three years later, three, four years later, I was. And, you know, because I, I kept making those connections, which was super positive, but then it was like, okay, well, a doctor is just telling me this is just the wrong one for you. We just need to switch it. And so I kept, you know, having faith in the Western medical model of let's just try a different synthetic hormone. That one will work better for you. And eventually it got to a point and, you know, I became an acupuncturist and started thinking about things in a more natural, holistic way. I thought, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. And I can take control of my own health and my own body and learn about my cycle and facilitate change so that my body can re-regulate itself. And it's finally starting to, um, but yeah, that, that intuition piece is key. Yeah. So tell me about where acupuncture school fits into all of this. Were you still using birth control when you started or 
receiving acupuncture treatments and learning about acupuncture was that part of what kind of got you interested in and maybe going a different route yeah so let's see it's it's funny because i can remember which kind of birth control i was on based on who i was with at the time um so the person i was dating when i first started acupuncture school was the one i was with when i had the arm implant and so then I had the NuvaRing, so our arm implant and NuvaRing while I was still in acupuncture school. And then afterwards, I, I did take a little bit of a hiatus towards the end of acupuncture school. Um, and I wasn't, it was one of those, you know, intuitive things where I didn't have the information to know why I wanted to do this other than I just knew I needed to do it. And I knew I was sick of trying out different kinds of birth control and like waiting for the other shoe to drop to see what kinds of symptoms I was going to have. Um, and so I did stop for a couple of years and didn't get on the IUD until I think it was the beginning. I got it put in the begin. It was right before COVID. That's right. It was, it was February of 2020. Um, cause I had started seeing someone new and, you know, just figured, it's time, it's time to start this back up again. And, and it's funny because when I wanted to, my brain wanted to get the IUD and because I thought that I should, but my body the entire time was like, you know, that, that gut wisdom where that womb wisdom mm-hmm. where your body, where your body's saying, no, don't Please do not do that. Yeah. And I, I just remember having that dissonance in my body, but feeling like, you know, this is just what we need to do. It'll be fine. It's not going to be as bad as you think, you know, like trying to convince my body out of it or into it rather. Um, so yeah, there, there were times like I was on birth control in acupuncture school, then took a break, then, you know, had that IUD put in right before COVID, which, you know, was probably a good idea. Otherwise I probably would have a COVID baby right now, (laughs) but at the same time, so, you know, it, it happened for a reason and, And honestly, I think if I didn't have the IUD, I wouldn't have been motivated in the same way to make this change for myself and to look into alternative forms of healing and to, you know, understand what all of my background leading up to this had resulted in. So, you know, I think that everything happens for a reason and, um, so in, in a way, I'm grateful that I had the IUD, even though it was a very scarring experience. It it led me to seek information that, you know, I would have just swept under the rug potentially or just not had a desire to look into um, in the same way. Yeah, I think for some women, um, yeah, if they if it's just the pill or whatever hormonal birth control they're <clears throat> using um, masks, whatever symptoms they don't want to have, and it doesn't really impact them in any other way that they're aware of. There's no catalyst for change. There's no reason that they would look into it anymore, which is a huge bummer, but I mean, it's also a huge bummer that you had to go through this experience. Yeah. Um, but why don't we go into then what you've done, um, and what you've learned treatment modalities that you've tried and, what has been most helpful for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing I will, one of the first things that I did healing modality wise was actually 
not related to my period, but it was. Um, so back when I was like in between undergrad and grad school, and then in the beginning of grad school for acupuncture, um, I worked in a restaurant and, you know, very busy tripped and fell down some stairs at work one time was in a crazy amount of pain, shook it off. Cause it was a Saturday night and I had work to do <laughs> and ended up having to go to the hospital later that night. Um, and found out that I just barely didn't like, I almost fractured my tailbone. It was severely bruised, but not quite fractured. Um, and I ended up having pain in that area for actually, you know, I sometimes still do. Um, it's much less now, but when you and I went on that acupuncturist without borders trip, um, I received our Vigo abdominal massage. And during her assessment, she told me that all of my, she asked me if I had had any past trauma, like in the pelvic region. And I said, Oh yeah, I fell down some stairs and that's why I'm here. You know, I, I have tailbone pain. And she started telling me that, you know, during her assessment, my, basically all of my intestines and my uterus had been shoved down to like the bottom left-hand corner of my abdomen. And she was like, are you having gastrointestinal problems? And I said, yes. And she was like, are you having pain, you know, in your uterus? And I said, yes. And, you know, she was explaining the connection between the tailbone and the pelvic muscles. And she gave me an Arvigo abdominal massage, which was very, very uncomfortable because she was moving so much back into place. And after that one session, I, you know, obviously we came back from Mexico, so I have not seen her since, but after that one session, I had no pain in my tailbone at all for about two and a half weeks. She and was a powerful woman. That she was, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. She, it was, it's very intense. It was very deep. Yeah. 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 And being able to feel your organs move is, you know, something that I think most people don't have the experience of, um, but it's also very, it's very powerful as well. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of me feeling like, okay, alternative treatments to help realign what's going on in my body um, is super important. And then, you know, after actually, this is a whole other piece of the puzzle. So after I got my IUD removed, um, my gynecologist had told me, you know, cause I was having all this pain. Um, she told me that she thinks I have endometriosis and that I'm either going to have to get surgery or be put on another synthetic hormone that would put me into early menopause. And so, you know, I, and I said, what if I don't do anything about this? And she said, well, then you're going to become infertile. And so that is, that is when I started seeking out alternative treatments again and discovered pelvic physio physical therapy. Could we rewind for one second? When yes. you received the abdominal massage, you had an IUD? No, no, I did not okay. have it yet. Yeah. Okay. I was not on birth control yet. Because um, just to throw it out there, that deep uh, visceral manipulation is contraindicated for if you have an IUD. So mm -hmm. I'm sure she would have probably done things a little bit differently if you had had the IUD. Oh, but just for yeah. listener information, if you're somebody that has an IUD, um, just make sure a practitioner knows that yeah, <laughs> before yeah. you go in there. Um, yeah. Anyways, so then you found pelvic PT. 
Yes. Yes. Um, and so a good friend of mine does pelvic PT and it was funny. I hadn't thought about this modality, but I was talking to her about, you know, the prognosis that my gynecologist had given me. And she was like, okay, well, you may have endometriosis. You might not, but come see me and let's try a couple treatments first and then go from there before you go to surgery. And I said, okay, you know, I'm willing to try anything. And so essentially what she did was, you know, an evaluation, she said, my hips were out of alignment. My tailbone was out of alignment. Um, and you know, she did an internal exam and said that my pelvic muscles were like rock hard, like so, so tight. And that made sense to me because I was having pain during sex all the time. And so she ended up doing some essentially trigger point manual therapy on my internal area and did some realignment, like stretching kind of almost like adjusting, but a little less cracky and <laughs> intense, like a chiropractor would do. And, you know, after, after the first treatment, I felt so much more relaxed and she had me get what's called a pelvic wand, which kind of looks like a long dildo almost. And, totally. Yeah. And, but it's so, it's funny when I ordered it, my boyfriend's like, what is that? I'm like, it's my <laughs> pelvic wand. <laughs> it's a treatment, right? For yeah. my health. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so she had me do it at home and I saw her several more times and, you know, she taught me, I mean, different yoga poses I already knew, but she said, do these yoga poses specifically for opening your pelvis and relaxing the pelvic floor. What and, poses were they, if you can, if they're easy to describe? Yeah. Yeah. So child's pose is a big one. Um, happy I imagine baby. with like your knees spread out. Mm -hmm. child's pose, Yeah. Yeah. So child's pose and happy baby were the ones I did the most regularly. I think there were a couple others. Um, so happy babies, like you're lying on your back and then your mm -hmm. knees are bent and you're holding the outsides of your feet. So it sounds like it was a lot of like pelvic opening was kind of what she was going for, which makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. 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 And, and really when you're in those poses, allowing your muscles to relax and doing really deep belly breathing into your pelvis and, and feeling like with intention, allowing those muscles to just relax and release and just stop holding because that's, you know, and when your body's been through various traumas, whether it's a fall or, you know, having something embedded in your uterus that, you know, your body is not welcoming, you know, what, whatever it is, of course, your pelvic muscles, your pelvic floor is going to be tight. And so, you know, doing these exercises, um, you know, since regularly practicing that I've had no pain during sex, I'm starting to, you know, take turmeric and, and different anti-inflammatory, um, supplements to help regulate that. And, you know, I'm just tracking my cycle naturally. And it's, it's been absolutely incredible to feel the change and feel empowered and educated. And just like I'm back in control of my hormones and my health again. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good feeling. Mm -hmm. So how often were you using the the wand. You still use that now? 
Yeah. Yeah. So she had me using it more frequently in the beginning. Um, as is, you know, any treatment you start kind of loading up on it more frequently. Um, and then as things shift, you know, gradually space it out. So in the beginning I was probably using it every couple of days. Um, and she said, you know, use your intuition as needed. If you feel like your body needs it, go for it. If you feel like you don't one day, that's fine too. Um, and now I would say I probably use it once or twice a month as, as needed again, if I, I also will use it oftentimes, um, around my cycle, you know, if I'm feeling a little bit more tender in certain areas, I might, you know, do a little tune up session for myself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's less frequent now because I need it less, but you know, it's always nearby, which is, yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm really curious to hear about how, what you're using to track your cycle and how, Mm -hmm. like what resources you've used to, um, learn more about that. And I also want to get into yoni steaming because I know that's something that you're starting to study. Mm -hmm. Um, so if that's something that you're currently using, or if you're waiting until you get deeper into your studies to, to do that, um, maybe let's talk about the steaming first, since we're kind of talking about things like treatment modalities. So if that's something that you can speak to at this point. Yeah. 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 Um, so right now I am about halfway through my training. Um, so I actually haven't tried it for myself yet. I have everything, like all the supplies are here. Um, and it's something that I want to try. I just want to learn a little bit more about the facilitation process before I try it on myself and then, you know, wait till I'm obviously fully certified before I work with any clients. Um, but just learning about the, just how much healing we can do for the womb and, and from a physical and a spiritual side, using these herbs and, you know, bringing together different combinations. It's, you know, I, I very much align with it. You know, it's almost like an acupuncture treatment. You're saying, okay, I'm going to choose this point and this point and this point to facilitate this healing response in the body. And, you know, the fact that we can steam our womb and our vagina is, it's funny. I I have a couple male clients that I've been telling, like talking about it with, and they're like, well, that's cool. I want to be able to do that. (laughs) There are people that facilitate um, for men too. um, Really? for like hemorrhoids, I've, I've heard of it being called like perineal steaming or okay. like parasteam hydrotherapy is what Kelly um, steamy chick calls it. Yeah. Um, and, but they just want to hold out their, uh, testicles and their penis mm-hmm. while they're doing it. Cause you don't want to expose that to too much heat, but yeah, then they yeah. can just sit over it with the rest of their perineum. So yeah, I don't have any experience with that, but they, they, uh, they can do it too. Cool. I'll have yeah. to let them know. Cause yeah. it's funny. They're like, well, I that sounds cool. It is. I mean, it's also just a really relaxing experience. The, mm-hmm. the herbs smell really nice. You just get to kind of sit. It's almost like a bath, but mm-hmm. kind of just in a more specific area. Yeah. Targeted so, yeah. bath. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was something that just popped into my mind about that. Oh, um, what about castor oil packs? Is that ever something that you used? Honestly, I haven't, but I'd love for you to share. About well, a lot benefits. of, so like the, the sort of main treatment modalities with our Vigo abdominal massage are doing the massage itself. Well, there's also a self-care massage that um, I know Rafaela didn't teach to me, but 
I often teach to, or I teach to every client after I work mm-hmm. on them myself to yeah. teach them a self-care massage. Um, and then there, there's castor oil packs and then steaming is also part of it too. Yoni steaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but a castor oil pack is basically just like rubbing a bunch of castor oil onto whatever area is painful. So you can kind of do it anywhere, but I mostly do it on people's lower belly or their mm-hmm. womb area because mm-hmm. I work with women's health mostly. And it helps with basically like stagnation. A lot of, if you had endometriosis, for example, which a lot of people don't know, and it's often suspected because the only way to definitively diagnose it is to go laparoscopically and mm-hmm. see if there is endometrial <clears throat> tissue that's concerning there, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of people don't get the definitive diagnosis because they don't want which I'm assuming is your situation. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, it can help if there's a lot of stagnation in the area. So if endometriosis is suspected because there's a lot of pain, for example, or if there's cysts Mm -hmm. or fibroids, things like that. Yeah. Um, So basically you just put a bunch of castor oil on and then you use a flannel. And then some people put plastic wrap over it too, um, just to hold in the heat. And then you put some kind of heat source over it. Most people recommend like a hot water bottle or like one of those rice packs that you can microwave. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are concerned about like using electricity. um, Mm, It's so close to your body. Yeah. So um, I use my heat lamp. So I don't know if if you have one of those. Most acupuncturists do. So I just put that over people's belly, um, Mm -hmm. which feels really nice. And then you just lay there for like 20 or 30 minutes. So awesome. So yeah, if anybody else (laughs) has period pain, um, you just don't do it during your period. It's the same kind of thing with steaming because steaming can increase your bleeding. Um, the castor oil pack potentially could too. So you just kind of want to avoid it during, um, there's certainly people that do it during anyways, but that's the, if you're facilitating be on the safe side. Exactly. Right. So, um, so now let's transition into, um, what you're doing for tracking your fertility right now. Um, is there a specific method that you're using? Are you tracking your temperature, cervical fluid? Uh, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I found an app that I love, uh, it's called Ovia and you know, you track things basically every day you have a little calendar and each day you can track your sleep, what you've eaten, your cervical fluid, you know, how your emotions are, if you have had a period or if you're spotting, if you've had sex and whether it was protected or not, um, you know, just such a variety, you know, how, um, high or low your cervix, you know, your cervix position, is it tight? Is it soft? So there's, there's basically a whole list of items that you can track on there every day. And so, you know, you have to use it for probably a month or two before you can get accurate readings of it predicting whether you're ovulating or not. Um, but also, you know, I include, I do track cervical fluid and then I also, uh, do basal body temperature. So you put that information in there as well, which helps to, um, increase the accuracy. But for me, it definitely is helpful to have, you know, while I'm tracking it for myself, also having a little reading, you know, from technology that I have been recording in helps to, you know, in my busy life, make it easier to remember whether I, you know, it's almost like writing it on a calendar, knowing whether I am ovulating, I'm close to it. um, And being able to 
you know, understand, okay, my, you know, I'm feeling a little off today looking back. Oh, well, you know, I'm about to start ovulating. I'm feeling a little bit emotional. And, and that for me really helps me to give myself more grace, uh, you know, around gentle hormonal fluctuations. And if I'm, you know, feeling a little tired one day, understanding why and giving myself that extra rest. Um, so just really using that app and tracking those things, um, has been a really lovely way to help build my connection with my own body, um, in a way that, you know, I hadn't before. And I think so many women don't, you know, like understanding when you ovulate and how many days it is and how many days your cycle is and what, you know, is quote unquote healthy and what is irregular. So. Yeah. So have you found with the app that your the day that you ovulate is very regular or have you observed that it can shift um, depending on what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, at this point, it, it definitely took a couple months after being off of the IUD um, for things to regulate because I felt like my hormones were all over the place. My ovulation time was kind of all over the place because I didn't have a cycle for an entire year on the IUD. Um, but now that it's, you know, been six months or however long it's been, I, I do seem to ovulate within a couple days, I am ovulating around the same time. And, you know, it does after, after a time of recording and, you know, charting everything, it does, you know, predict when you will get your period as well. And at this point it has been within a day or so really, really on point, um, which, you know, is, is helpful. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if this is like TMI, but how are you managing your fertile window? Um, are you just kind of, I have cervical mucus, I'm right about ovulating, stay away from me. <laughs> um, or are you using another form of birth control? Because that's, I think, an important thing for people to understand about fertility awareness is that just because you know that you're ovulating, you also have to then be conscious about the method that you're using within your fertile window, because whatever method you're using in that time, you're completely relying on that method mm -hmm. because you are aware that you are fertile. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you feel comfortable sharing about, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, it's funny because you, it's like, you know, you're in your fertile window without looking at your calendar because you are feeling super horny and you're like, let's go. And of course that's, you know, the way it was designed because, you know, every month our body is trying to procreate. So, you know, I, I definitely try to not avoid, but try to be more mindful or do other things other than regular sex or, you know, use a condom occasionally, but honestly, they cause me like discomfort and I, I really don't like them and neither does he obviously. Um, but, you know, just trying to find other ways to be intimate during that time that is not, you know, penis, vagina sex, um, which, you know, is challenging sometimes, but it's also, it's also empowering to know, you know, and say, okay, babe, like from this day to this day, I am super fertile. So we need to like be mindful, but you know, next week we're good to go. And 
you know, and, and educating him on that as well has been really helpful and really empowering because, you know, we might start doing something and he'll be like, wait, but are you in your fertile window? <laughs> and I'll say, you know, yes or no or whatever. And it, it, having that really clear understanding takes the pressure off a lot in terms of concern. Cause I feel like in the past when I wasn't on birth control and I did have sex and like, oh no, you know, you didn't pull out quickly enough or whatever. I would be like, oh my God, I have to go get plan B. Cause I had no idea where I was in my cycle. I had no idea if I, I thought I was fertile. Like I said, every day of the week. Um, so again, I think it comes back to the concept that knowledge is power and, you know, sometimes it's a little, a little frustrating or, you know, you just have to get creative, but having that understanding is, is super important. Yeah. And sometimes partners can push back against it because they don't, they've also probably been taught the same thing that you and I thought Mm -hmm. when we were younger, that you can get pregnant every single day. And depending on if they are open to getting you pregnant or not, um, in that specific time period, um, was he always pretty open to it or was there any resistance of like, are you sure about that? Yeah, no, I mean, he's always, he, he's always been super like, this is your cycle. I don't really know a lot about it, but you know, you know, what is going on? Um, you know, he, he's great. He, he was the one who drove me to and from my IUD appointment, you know, when we were barely dating, um, he, you know, when I said, I don't want to be on birth control anymore, that's what it is, you know, not, I mean, it's, it's hard, but it's like, it is my body, but it is, you're involved in this sort of part of it. And so I, I'm not going to go back on it just for another person, but you know, how can we open the dialogue and have communication about this choice that I'm making so that we are on the same page and so that you can be more educated about it. Um, but no, he's, I feel very, very fortunate. He's always been very open to it. And, you know, there have been moments where he'll be like, oh no, I didn't pull out soon enough or whatever. And I'm like, it's okay, babe. I'm not in my fertile window. Like we're totally good. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. So so great. I mean, that's gotta be such a great way to build intimacy with another person to just like invite them into your experience and how your body works. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think so much of the time men, uh, in this culture, and I don't want to make a generalization. This has just been my observation from my experience. It's just kind of like, Oh, like the woman takes care of that. And Mm -hmm. you just assume that she's got it covered and under control, no matter what method of birth control she's using. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's really cool to let them in on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think not being on birth control adds more of an invitation because I think he definitely worried about it less when I was on birth control. And, you know, he, with all the pain, you know, cause I basically, when I started dating him was right when I got the IUD put in. So like he was there for all the pain during sex and all the other things. So, you know, he was present for the experience, but I think, you know, when I said I was going off of birth control and that was it, you know, he was like, Oh, okay. Like, not in a disappointed way, but just like, okay, so we have to like, think about this now. And I said, yes, but you know, I think that not being on birth control has opened up the dialogue more and has deepened our intimacy and our wanting to discuss when I'm fertile and when I'm not, and think about 
you know, family planning for the future, not right now, like all of those sorts of things, because, because it's not just being taken care of and swept under the rug, you know, it it needs to be a conversation because it is two people coming together to, you know, have a wonderful, magical lovemaking time, but also with the intention of trying to, or not trying to create a baby. Totally. Yeah. I mean, your cycle extends so beyond whether or not you want to have children. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even if you do want to have children, there's so much of your cycling life beyond that too, you know, even if that is going to be a season of it. Yeah. Um, So yeah, if there's anything else that you would like to share about your story or any other treatment modalities you wanted to mention or, or anything around anything that we've discussed or. Yeah. I mean, I would say just kind of a big, big learning lesson and theme that I've taken away from my experience that I would want all women to hear all women with a cycle to hear is, you know, it is your body, you have complete control over it, and you have the right to educate yourself and get more information, not just take what a you know person of authority, doctor, what have you, is telling you at face value um, and listen to your body and listen to what it's asking for. And, you know, it, it can be nerve wracking to, you know, when you've been on birth control for so long, even if it's been horrible, you know, we, even, even if horrible things are going on, it's what we're used to. And so it's comfortable in a way. Um, so it can be a little scary at first to decide to stop if that's something that you decide to do. And, you know, it it will really show you what's going on in your body and give yourself and your body an opportunity to heal in a really deep way. If, if that's, you know, what you're looking for. That's beautiful. Thank you. Of course. And then also for the listeners, if you can tell people where they can find you, where you're most active on social media, you can also just mention your podcast name again and kind yeah. of like the, maybe like what you get into on your podcast too, like the general about sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so my business is called Soul and Loon Wellness, S-O-U-L-A-N-D-L-U-N-E. Um, and you know, website is soul and loon wellness.com. Um, I'm most active, I would say on Instagram, uh, which is at soul and loon wellness. So it's all the same. Um, and then my podcast is called practically the practically well podcast. Um, and on there, I really love to, I do solo episodes and also do interviews like this, uh, bringing on different practitioners practitioners of various wellness modalities um, to educate my listeners on that modality. If it's something, you know, they haven't heard of before to, you know, illuminate a new possibility for wellness and healing for them. Um, And to also just have wonderful conversations like this, where we can dive deep and educate and, um, you know, bring, bring this information to people in a practical way. (laughs) Cause I think so often, you know, concepts like this or any of the other ones that I bring on, which, you know, gosh, I've had so many different kinds of practitioners from, you know, an astrological coach to a functional medicine doctor, to a personal trainer, to, you know, the, just it's, it's a very long list with great people with different messages, but, you know, bringing it to them in a practical way so that it 
doesn't seem like this heady, hard to understand thing. And, and so they do have a desire to go out and take action and, you know, try out these modalities or try out a different way of thinking and, and create more wellness and space in their lives. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest barrier for a lot of people is just the overwhelm of like, what do I even do? You know, Mm -hmm. there's so much noise in the health and wellness community about all these different things that helped people. So I think it's really important to break it down Mm -hmm. in concise ways that make it easier Mm -hmm. to understand and more accessible to Mm -hmm. the general public. Yeah. And then people can pick and choose from there what resonates most with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give a whole menu of options. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Hannah, so much for being here. It's been a great conversation today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And also don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you feel so called, please give us a rating and a review so other people can find the podcast more easily. Thanks again. Till next time.